this time. Those fingers in my hair that sly come hither stand. Which strips my conscience. Welcome, everybody. And it's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. I want to welcome my co host, Pat Picciarelli, who also is my co author. And we wrote a great book, fortunately, Hollywood Godfather. And Megan, our all around girl, our millennium. Megan, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. And we have a very special guest. And to me, he's been special in my life for a long time. I was actually a fan of his, actually, before I met him. And then we got close friends through the years, a lot of mutual friends with stars, which we'll get into. Uh, he's a musical genius. Most people don't know as many recordings as he wrote and recorded at a very young age, in his teens, actually. The great Paul Anka. Paul, thank you so much for coming on, man. Donnie, my boy, it's good to be with you, to your audience. Nice to be here, and it's good to be able to talk and say that we're both healthy and doing our thing in the midst of this crazy, wacky world we're living in right now. You know, it's so funny because you and I have seen so many people pass in our history. It's like we're the last few alive. Yeah, well, I don't mind it, Johnny. I don't mind it as long as I'm not there when it happens. I kind of love it. (laughs) I don't want to be dying. (laughs) No, I think we got a shot to get a couple more innings in here. Yeah. I mean, just if you would, to to our audience, can you just take us through your early beginnings and the accomplishments? Well, I haven't talked about myself in a while. I've been kind of in prison, but I think this will roll out pretty easy. Well, you know, I started at a very early age. I left home at 15 years old with 100 bucks in my pocket. Home was Canada. Uh, I had a real passion, and I thought I'd find my purpose in life in writing and singing, etc. Left, went to New York City, got lucky with ABC Paramount, took my songs in. At a time, uh, Johnny, when our business was in its infancy stage, Thus, there were no no kids running around like you have on American Idol and all these shows. So it's kind of me, my jeans, my T-shirt, and a bunch of songs in my pocket. Went up to ABC Paramount. I got very lucky with a very talented man called Don Costa. Oh, wow. My my producer, I introduced him to Mr. Sinatra. He's been part of my life for years till he passed. And um, he said, yeah. He said, okay. He said, how old are you? I said, 15. He said, wow. I said, "Where, where are you from? I said, Canada. So where are your parents? I said, at home. He says, well, we need them down here. We can't sign you to a contract. I said, you're going to sign me to a contract? I said, yeah. So they flew my parents down. And uh, my parents were obviously just over the moon. They couldn't comprehend it. I never met your mother, but I knew your father, Andy, for three years. Yeah, Andy loved you. He was my guy. My mother, you know, my mother was a big inspiration. I lost her when I was 18 years old. And oh, wow. Dying. I did everything I could to save her. Couldn't do it. But uh, she, she was it. You know what mamas mean in our families. So they flew them down and uh, signed me up. And uh, they gave me 100 bucks. Said, you're going to write for us. Here's 100 bucks. You're going to write every month. We want you to write. So I started with Don, and then we started with Diana, and then You Are My Destiny. We had a whole string of hits. Put you on my shoulder, which, by the way, has now come back on TikTok. It's a huge song on TikTok now. I was going to bring that up if you <clears> didn't know that yet. Oh, believe me, there's 38 million 
streams right now with this Jojo Cat and, and Madison Beer, who I'm producing. And all these kids, now I go out, Johnny, and all of a sudden I got these 17-year-olds running up for autographs. I said, oh, God, this again? But it's a, it's a whole wild new thing. So shoulders back. Uh, it's going to be in the new album that I'm doing. So I started all out with Don, and then I, uh, I left the company. I bought my master's back for 250 and all my rights, and I went and moved to Italy. And because uh, I loved Italy on all my tours, I said, I got to get back. So I started a company that I see Victor. Wow. And uh, all of a sudden, I was out selling the Italians. I sold about four million records in Italian and had the first million seller. And then it went on from there. You know, Tonight Show theme, Longest Day, blah, 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 the whole list, all the way up through my way. Well, that, that, that's the interesting thing that m most people don't know. You wrote show, show jingles like the Tonight, Tonight Show. And uh, yeah. that in itself yeah. is, is a great uh, revenue stream. I, um, you know, I, I was I was doing a TV special in England, and uh, I said, "Well, we need a comedy relief." And they started sending me these kinescopes of comics, and I saw this one comic named Johnny Carson, and he did a routine where he drank all night till about six in the morning, got blitzed, and then he went on television to do a kiddie show. And it was a very funny bit. So I says, wow, that guy's cool. So he came over, we did the show, got to know him a little. Nobody really got to know Johnny that much. And then we came back to New York, I ran into him again. And uh, I said, what are you up to, Johnny? He says, well, I've got this show, I need some work. I'm going to do this show called The Tonight Show. I'll do it for about a year or two. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, <laughs> he said, uh, I'm looking for a theme song. So, you know, you're talking to the right guy with me. So I sent him this demo of da 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 ba da ba ba da ba and uh, he called me back a week later and said, geez, I'm so sorry, Paul, but Skitch Henderson said he doesn't want any kid taking over his gig. He's going to write it. I says, Johnny, geez, sorry to hear that. I says, but Johnny, if you change your mind, I'll give you half the publishing and half the royalties. So think about it. <laughs> but he thought about it for about 24 hours. You know the rest of the story. It went on to be the longest-running TV theme ever, right? He didn't know. I didn't know a damn thing. I just write the music. And there we are, years later, putting our kids through school on this silly little... Da, 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 da. I'm good friends with Joanne Clausens. You know, she still lives here at the, at the, at the Pierre. Oh, nice lady. Send her my love. Yeah, I had dinner with her two weeks ago. Yeah, good lady. Yeah, really good lady. Good lady. One of his first. <laughs> uh, he's had a few, right, buddy? Yeah. Haven't we all? My God, I can't believe it. But yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're the junior yeah. with us, though. I was in the audience when Johnny Carson was doing a show in Manhattan called Who Do You Trust? Yeah. Walking yeah. down the street, and it must have been hard up for audience members. I was 14 years old. And they yeah. snagged me off the street to sit in the audience with a friend of mine. And he, he was, that was his first show. That's right. You're absolutely correct. And he was looking for the second show, and that was it, Tonight Show. And he didn't look anymore. Yeah, hello. <laughs> I had a big beef with him. When I was having my parties at my house yeah. on Las Vegas Country Club every yeah. Monday night, he was performing at the Sahara simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And he came to the guard gate around 11, 12 o'clock at night. And they said, Johnny Carson's here. I said, yeah, and I hung up on him. So they called me back. They said, Mr. Carson is here. I said, you stop telling me this. He said, he put him on the phone. I said, you do a great Johnny Carson. 
you should do it for some day. And I hung up on him. I never did Johnny Carson show for that reason. <laughs> yeah, he was an interesting cat. He's very smart. He was the best at that job. Right. Uh, but he was an interesting character. You know, he. Uh, I remember the great story about Johnny was uh, he liked to drink. That was his thing. Maybe a little too much. And uh, we used to all go to Jilly's. And Jilly was, for those of you out there, that was Sinatra's right-hand guy. And uh, it was the hang place, and, and Frank had not really embraced Johnny at that point. And Johnny wanted to get to know Sinatra, as you know. And uh, he came in blitzed after the show one night, and uh, he started pitching the asses of a few of the girls at the bar. And what he did know is on Friday, and as you know, you know, the boys had the girlfriends on the Fridays and the wives on the Saturdays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the guys got up, and they threw him down that little flight of stairs. To the basement. And, Started beating the shit out of him, and uh, somebody yelled, "Jilly, Jilly! They're beating the shit out of Johnny Carson. Get down there!" They went down, and they saved them. They were beating the hell out of him. But uh, that was my first uh, real wow. major encounter with what was going on with Johnny. But Jilly's was the hang place. You know? Oh yeah, Fifty Second Street and Eighth Avenue were amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I spent. So Paul, many... when did you and Gianni first meet? Sorry, Johnny. Well, if we were totally conscious, we could probably come up with an accurate date. <laughs> I think we probably could give you something in the zone, maybe, right, Johnny? Right, totally. Uh, when did we probably met somewhere back in the '60s, right, Johnny? Right, late '60s yeah. and '70s. Then you went over to Caesars that time. Yeah. And that was that your show every time you opened him. Yeah, and then then we kind of melded in. He opened his club. I had my club jubilation and. I was well, we in your were, club every night almost before mine opened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we were aware of each other. I think we melded up after that pretty good. But, you know, in our business, I'm traveling, he's traveling. We, we, we don't get to hang the way we used to years ago, meaning everybody universally, because of the fact that our business is everywhere. You know? yeah. But we've re, we remained hooked for all these years up until now. We have some friends in common. And um, that's the way it flows out. Yeah, and we're, we're playing a lot of similar dates. For me, that's a big compliment that I'm in the same buildings and same stages you're on now. That's great. Yeah, we hit all those casino dates. We've got you know, Cantone's our buddy. Oh, he's the best. Beacon, and uh, you love to sing. You know, you always love doing that stuff. You're, you get up there, you get professional with it, and that's cool. No, I mean, well, I've learned from the best, you know, uh, Sinatra, you, yeah. I mean, you are a true showman, though. My God, I mean, for the people out there who, if they didn't see you live, that's the show you have to see. The recordings are one thing, but to see you on stage and the way you take control of an audience, it's, you taught me a lot just by me mimicking you and copying. And I close my show as you do. I don't know if you still do, but I close it my way because the lyric of that song is really yeah. my life now after 77 years of every crazy yeah. thing in the world that I did. It, yeah. uh, I did it my way. Yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, you know, you go doing, to jail. <laughs> appreciate that, Johnny, and it fits you. You know, I'm doing my new album right now, and the last track on the album is my way, but what I'm doing, I'm doing it with Sinatra and Buccelli. Oh, and wow. I've been working with Buccelli. He's in Italy, and he's going to do it over there. Send it to me next week, and it's going to be the last track on the new album. Wow, that's great. He's a hell of a guy. 
I saw him last summer when I was in Italy with his wife. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with him, especially his new wife now. In fact, Uh he he came to my birthday party at Le Cirque two years ago, my 75th birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, with his new wife, she's gorgeous, that girl, isn't she, Don? Oh, she's gorgeous, she's smart, she takes care of all the business, she's a sweetheart. We, I was over on, on Steve Wynn's boat last summer, and uh, Steve knows him because he used that song in the opening of the uh, Bellagio. But anyway, he said, uh, Bocelli's coming out to the boat. I said, great. So we're sitting on the back, and I'd, I'd known him and his wife uh, for a few years. And in the distance, you see these sea-doos, you know, with the speedboat sea-doo thing. Yeah, yeah. And I see this little cavalcade coming towards you. It was like that scene in... Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, remember Omar? <laughs> get closer. And who's driving the goddamn seat of a Bocelli? That's He's what. driving. Yeah, he that's the big things out there. Got man. some guys behind him. And uh, they all came on the boat. We had a ball. And then we went to his uh, restaurant that night in Viriegio. And there's you know, a lot of people in there. We're having dinner. They roll out a piano right in the middle of the restaurant. He gets down, he starts playing the piano, and he starts my way. Baranka, Baranka, come over here, Baranka. We start singing to the entire restaurant. That's great. The people didn't know what the hell hit them, right? Oh yeah, what a what an what an evening that is. That's it's crazy. I mean, your experiences and and the, the stages you've shared with everybody. I mean, like you mentioned, Sinatra, who was my mentor all my life, basically. And um, most people didn't know. I mean, we my audience does because. Um, this is my second pandemic, uh, August 7th, 1949. I got polio and was quarantined for five years in Bellevue. Yeah. And that was in August. And that December, I was pretty depressed. And some neighborhood guys sent me a transistor radio. And I turned it on that morning of my birthday. And all morning they were talking about Frank Sinatra because he was born the same day, December 12th. As you? As me. And then then finally, I'm running for Frank Costello, and I'm now 14. I walk into the Copa, and there's a line outside already at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was Sinatra warming up. And I told him the story, and he couldn't believe it. A tear came to his eye. And uh, I don't know if you know this, he baptized my ninth son, Luciano. I didn't know that. And he threw the party at, Mat- at Mateo's on Maddie's joint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a great story, Johnny. Yeah. I know that about the polio. Yeah, the polio. Well, that's why I really wrote the book, and thank God Pat was able to capture all those movements. But it was Sinatra and a nurse, Dolores Barone, that got me out of there. And unless uh, I would... Wait, wait. How did, how did she get you out of there? What do you mean she got you out of there? Well... She warned me about this pedophile, and the pedophile attacked me after five years. Yeah. And, uh, well, most of my audience knows it. So I took him out (laughs) at 12, and I became a legend in Mulberry Street. 12 years old. And uh, (laughs) I put a broom through him. Yeah. Because I was sitting on the... I was sitting on... Did you get your hands on an axe? No, I wish I could have. No, but I, 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 I horned this broom in the grout of the tile because I was never in a hurry to go back to bed. There was nowhere to go. And I used to sit there for maybe an hour a day and just 
made the sharp spear out of it and put yeah. it behind the radiator in stall number four, and I never went to any other bathroom. And sure enough, after a few years, he came, and uh, that was his demise, but got me out of there. They put me in the loony bin for 72 hours. Um, do you believe that's my phone? Anyway, uh, and... Uh, that's original. Can't get away from that movie, Johnny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a good thing. And uh, they let me out. And that's yeah. it. I hit the streets. And Costello found me at 13. Yeah. Well, you went from one good thing to a better thing. Right? Oh, my God, yeah. And it's not stopping. It's like your life. You just, you and I, I mean, I used to see you all the time in Beverly Hills and all that, just walking around, just enjoying life and the views. <laughs> You got to keep moving, John. They throw dirt on you. Uh, you know, when you're fortunate enough and you're blessed, you got to keep living, keep moving on, stay curious and enjoy it, you know, because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. We're living a life lottery, especially nowadays. Oh, my God. Do they know any dates when you're going back? Yeah, I've got everything booked. Uh, we start uh, around January, and then I'm opening... Uh, a new casino for Canton up in uh, Niagara Falls. They bought that casino. I'm doing two shows. Then I'm doing a tour all of Florida the uh, month of March, and I'm coming to the whole New York City area right through June. Now, having said that, <clears throat> there's too many moving parts. I'm somewhat skeptical as to how this is going to shake out, you know, with the election, with the vaccine, et cetera. I hope everything holds. Right. Uh, I don't know, but I'm booked. Nobody's canceling. But I expect that there will be because of what I said. I just don't know that we're ever going to get back to the normal. But I don't know what the new normal is going to be. My yeah. guess, the fall of next year, things may start getting a little bit real again. But this is a terrible, terrible time that we're in right now. It's uh, something that I hope the people that are having a tough time get back to normal. Because those of us that are blessed and are getting by... I feel for all of those out there that are sitting there scratching their heads saying, how are we going to survive here? And there's a lot of them out there. So. Oh, my God, yeah. I see just, I, I walk every other day in New York and just business after business. The, the Roosevelt Hotel closed the other day. They closed yeah. 10 major hotels in New York. Never to open again. Yeah, and 40% of the restaurants, oh, uh, my yeah. buddy Larry Rubo, you know Larry. Oh, yeah, true. Southern Wines, he said they, they, he doesn't think that 40% of the restaurants across the country are going to open. You know, the Oyster Bar closed today. What's they that? Did. Yeah, it was, it was open when they allowed uh, 25% of, uh, of capacity in restaurants. They yeah, were, yeah. It was uh, three weeks ago. They lasted three weeks. They just shut down. I don't know if you've ever been to the, uh, for our listeners, the Oyster Bar is huge. Yeah, uh, they can fit over 400 people in there. And 25% uh, just wasn't hitting it. So they closed up. Now, they don't know whether it's going to be permanent or what. But that place has been around for over 100 years. 100 yeah. Years. Yeah. Well, they're not going to have the capital to get through this and then to start up again. The initial investment, what they're going to have to put in, they won't make it up for two years if they open. So they're all doing the math, unfortunately. And uh, you're right. I, I don't think that these places are going to open up. No. We just don't know the answer. You know, China, 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 what more can I say? It's their ball game. Whatever happened, happened. I think that's another lid that'll open one day. But I don't know that, you know, they're just so aggressively successful 
Uh, it's all going to be predicated on them. It's going to be predicated on Europe, where they're going to fall in, and with who. We've got to get our stuff together, as we all know. And it all gets back to helping those people that just really need that help right now. It's uh, it's something that we're going to have to rectify. I think. Well, especially a performer like you. Your, your rooms are so mass, and that's what they're afraid of. You know, the thousands of people in an audience. How, how you know? And if they only allow twenty five percent, then they can't afford the act. So it's like, yeah. what what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, it's it's it, it's going to be something that has to be worked out. Look, I'm grateful, man. I sit here and I got my kid, I got my family, and you know, got my royalties, and you know, I don't look at it as you know. My whole theory all my life is you better be prepared to go back the way you started. Because this doesn't last for everybody, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm doing fine, and uh, there'll be a remedy. And you know, when you look at sports, I think NFL are in trouble now. I think that you talk about capacities, all these capacities, situations, uh, business-wise, and that structure. Wow, do they have some problems? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm so glad that I'm so diverse, because I I went into you know viral, and now our online stores. I have 1,800 supermarkets in the United States, yeah. but now I went online, and I got a liquor license for 42 states to sell online liquor. So I came out with the Cordelione bootleg booze, and it's like insane because I got like you, I, but I have a little more, a few more kids than you do, and yeah. uh, I just I had that problem. I know. I know. <laughs> you have a few more kids than the Kennedys. Yeah. <laughs> I had my 10th grandson, Paul. I got nine. I know, nine grandchildren? I got nine grandchildren. I got three daughters living over in Europe, which unfortunately I don't see. And then I got two here, right. you know, which are busy. My son-in-law, Jason Bateman, he's oh, Jason, back in Atlanta. And my daughter, Amanda, works with Jennifer Aniston, so they're busy. And then my other one is doing very well. But I don't see all my kids, and that's that really hurts. And right. I can't get to Europe the way I want obviously with what's going on but you know they say money isn't everything i said it sure keeps your kids calling yeah hello <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know what i would do without money i mean I, when they say that and i don't have a lot of money but my situation is that you know like you're saying that houses and overheads and stuff like that you gotta gotta be diversified but fortunately that, uh, like you're saying the royalties situation with what you're doing these these malls and all of that stuff that's over with those guys are oh yeah that's big. done all these commercial guys that we know heavy hitters they're down 60 70 percent in their, their net wealth oh i know and it's gonna be a new business out there in terms of these malls and how people are shopping i mean amazon you know that story that's huge but there's gonna be a whole new platform as to how we sell and what we're doing and then there's gonna be a lot of casualties yeah yeah casualties. Well, i have a question Sure. Uh, I saw you in Vegas in the 70s. Yep. Uh, you opened up uh, with a huge band that yep. the, the song that, that opened opened you up was 2001 The Space Odyssey. Do you recall yep. that? That's right. What, that, what a show. I mean, what a, yep. I've seen many shows in Vegas, but that still sticks with me. What room was that in, and what year was that? Do you know? Do you remember? Because I don't. Well, that was Caesar's Palace. Okay. Was that when I had the one-legged conductor hopping around? I don't. He was hopping around. I recall that. Yeah. yeah he had a lot of energy. I didn't know he was trying to get comfortable. Yeah, that, 
eats Johnny Harris. He had one bum leg. He was very talented. Yeah. And it was the Jesus Palace that we created that show. Yeah. Wow. I remember that very, very well. Yeah. Fantastic show. I was there. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think I saw that show 10 times. <laughs> Billy Weinberg. Billy Weinberg was a good guy. <laughs> That's when we had power to pen, right? Paul, we went oh, out We went out with tip money. We never paid for anything. It was uh, crazy. We were running around gambling. Was with, you know, Frank would gamble almost every night, you know, and we'd oh. all be around there pulling every shenanigan we could. But what nights those were. We never got home until 9, 10 in the morning. It's crazy. It's crazy. Keep all the chips. Wouldn't cash them in. Drove them all nuts. Well, I was there the night that he got punched out. You know, when Jimmy Blue Eyes called him when Hughes took over. You know, Blue Eyes kind of, he was the rabbi in the closet, as you know. And uh, when Hughes took over, and we were all sitting in the bar up there, the reality hit with him that the boys weren't really able to give him what he wanted. Right. And um, he wanted a bunch of chips, and they said, we can't give it to you, Mr. Sinatra, because, you know, Howard Hughes owns a place. Who was that, Mickey? When Mickey Who? hit him? Well, no, Mickey Rudin was the lawyer. No, no, but Mickey Cohen. Oh, no, 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 no. It was one of the pit bosses. Carl Cohen, Carl. Carl, Carl. Cohen, yeah. Yeah, Carl. So Carl had told the pit boss, this is one in the morning. And he told him, don't give him any more. We can't because, you know, they're keeping the chips and not paying the market. Blah, blah, blah. So Frank, after a few drinks, and you know what he got like. Oh, yeah, forget about it. So he uh, he got up at the 21 table in the middle of the Sands Hotel and he said, this fucking place was sand when they built it and it'll be fucking sand when I finish with it. Oh, I have a kid looking at this and I'm with Jilly and I'm looking, I can't believe this. You know, my idol, you know what we thought of, right? So they get him down off the table and Carl Cohen, who is a prince of a guy, salt to the earth, never raised his voice, and he was like my guy in the place. And uh, he, he told the uh, security to bring Frank back to the uh, the, uh, the coffee shop. You remember the Chinese coffee shop? Oh, yeah. Great Chinese food there, man. <laughs> so they bring, they bring, Jilly and I bring him back into the Chinese restaurant. Frank came in, uh, uh, Carl came through the back door because he lived in one of those, remember, they're all little villas yeah. in the back with duck and schnook a puck and pick a puck. So they put him in a golf cart, Carl, comes in through the back door. He's sitting at the table in a bathrobe and a pot of coffee. Next to him's a security guard, and we take Frank over to the table. And Frank starts. And Carl's going, but Frank, we just can't do it anymore. You've got to behave. Blah, 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 blah. Frank looks at him. He says, you fat Jew motherfucker. And he picked up the table and emptied it with the coffee all over Carl. Carl got up and punched him right in the mouth, but the teeth came out. All the caps go, oh. and I'm going. This is impossible. Oh, that's, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I've seen him get hit so many times. It's it's amazing. Exactly. So, Julie and I get out because the cops came. They bring a Learjet in to uh, fly Frank to Doctor Stein, who lived in L.A. Did this right. Frank says, "I'm never coming back again." Then the next day, apparently, Frank got very aggressive as to taking care of Carl. Jimmy Blue Eyes calls Frank as a play a hand on him. You're, it was like this big drama for oh, yeah. 24 hours. And well, Frank went to Caesars. I stayed at the Sands. Fra Frank liked to use the phone. <laughs> what? Frank you likes what? to make those calls. He'd call well, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's the stuff that we don't see anymore, Johnny. No. 
I, I was with uh, Jimmy Blue Eyes at a guy's party in yeah. his 80th birthday down in Miami. Yeah. And his kids had earth, wind, and fire on stage. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and we're trying to talk, and he says to me, Johnny, tell those guys to close, lower the microphones. I said, that's earth, wind, and fire. He said, I don't, I don't care about the weather. Tell them to lower. <laughs> well, you, do you know Jimmy Blue Eyes got his name? Huh? you know Jimmy got his name? No. Okay. Well, you know, in New York, right. in all the neighborhoods, they used to have the game where you'd get on somebody's shoulders and then you'd fight each other with your elbows and try and knock them off. You remember right, that? Right. Chicken. Ago, chicken. Right? They used to call it yeah. chicken, yeah. Chicken. So he would get he would get on someone's shoulders, but he was a little smaller than everyone. And he'd always get whacked in the face. He'd get uh, banged up in the eyes. He was black and blue. That's how he got the name Jimmy. Blue. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. That's yeah. I, I never heard that story. Chicken. Yeah. Better than Jimmy Black Eyes. Yeah. Hello. Well, blue's more romantic. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Hello. But uh, I remember going with Sinatra because I used to go to last week and in, in, when he was down in the Fountain Blue. Yep. And we used to go down to the Doville to see this new Jewish comedian called Don Rickles. Yeah. And we'd sit there till four or five o'clock in the morning. And yep. then Rickles was the only way the guy that got away would call him the skinny Jew. I mean, the skinny, right. the skinny guinea. Yeah, right. And, he, and right. he was able to get away with it. And then one night, Shecky started it next door at the Eden Rock. They beat him up. Yeah. And that's how he tells the story, Sinatra saved my life one time. So when you ask him as the punchline, well, how do you save your life? Well, he told they were beating me to death. And he said, okay, that's enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, we used to all hang down there. You know, I started down there as a kid when they all went down. But that's where the whole My Way thing started with Sinatra. Yeah. Because we were working there, and uh, you know when you when you'd hang with him, as you know, you'd go up that suite. Oh the my Novak God. Gators, They'd have the AT and T telephone guys up there redoing the telephones because they were bugging them. Mellow. You know the chief was all over them, and they're putting new phones in, etc. So he was getting fed up, and I think the Rat Pack thing was kind of over. And one night at dinner, that's where he told me that he's quitting show business. He's going to retire. And that's when he's with me and Farrell, and. Uh, Costa, who I introduced him to, who was my guy, uh, they were going to do one more album. And that's where it all started. I left there in that engagement, being with him, went to New York, and wrote the words to my way, sent it to him at Caesars, and it started all in Miami. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great, a great story, man. Yeah. I may have to repeat that. I can give you all the accolades do you deserve. But I never knew... I knew it was you. You did it, but I never knew how it came about. That's interesting. Yeah, I was just melody I had in France. You know, I used to live over there. My right. wife makes she wrestles from there. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. But as soon as I heard from him that he was quitting and believed it, you know, I went back to New York where I was living. It was like midnight, big thunderstorm, and it just, you know, the amazing thing for me is I just had that one of those creative moments where I finished it in like four or five hours. I sat down at the typewriter, because I used to do everything in the typewriter, and and I metaphorically said, what if Frank were singing to this? 
And I started with, and now again, this near point of curtain, everything indigenous to what he was about, as if writing it. It was that quick. Wow. And then out I went on the way, played it for us. And then two months later, calls me up and I heard it over the phone from the studio in LA. It was that quick. Motivated by the fact that he was quitting. And he did after that, as you know. When he came back and he called and said, Kid, I'm coming back, write another song. He's telling me, Kid. That's what I that's what I wrote. Let me try again. Oh, that's Let me great. Try again. And he introduced that at Madison Square Garden. That's amazing. Point Trump uh, promoted the uh, uh, the main event. Right. And Jerry got involved in his life. And that's when they had Howard Cosell as the announcer. That's right. It was that's a great night. Great yeah. night. Yeah. Well, I want to. That's a great way to end this interview because th- those two songs basically made you legendary and. Sinatra, you know, he'll always be a living legend, even though he's dead. But nobody likes. We'll all we'll all pay him accolades constantly. Yeah, there's nobody like him, Johnny. This, no, they, he no. he made it very difficult for anybody to stand in front of a band. Oh, tell me. He was the guy. Uh, you know, look, I took a great deal of pride in developing this kid out of Canada because he he really actually could carry the torch, Michael Bublé. Yeah, I remember so that. I had, when I had Michael and produced the album with David Foster, I was giving him all of the arrangements that Frank gave me. And a lot of them on his album were the Sinatra songs. And we took the gamble, but believing that Michael could keep that stuff alive. And he's been amazing, Michael, right. in uh, really keeping that songbook and the Sinatra stuff alive. Because that stuff's important culturally. You know, it's Especially for the younger generation. Yeah, and the new music today is... is you know, it's for the kids, but we can't forget that kind of music because it's uh, it's very important as the foundation of everything that we hear today. Definitely. Well, thank you, my friend. You're I welcome, really, my really friend. appreciate you coming on, and I'll see you soon. And I'll I'll, I'll give my regards to Tom Cantone. He's coming on next. <laughs> he's <laughs> give my a big hug and a kiss. I love Tom. I love him. He's too. A, an old buddy, and he's a he's one of the true guys. Oh my God that really knows what he's doing yeah. and gets the job done and cares about all of us. You know, there's a lot of guys yeah. out there that are, we'll leave it at that, but he's a great, great human being. He's a very talented man, but you give him a love for me. All and right. you, I'll see you when I, I can feel safe getting on an airplane, you know? Yeah, please. We'll stay in touch and, and hopefully I'll see you by uh, the spring. Yeah, I definitely will. Now you you're you're good. Everything's good with you. You you didn't you didn't remarry or anything, did you? No, 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 no. I'm done with that. I got too much. Right? I got I got ten mothers to my kids. Forget about it. <laughs> Listen, the last one I got married, I had a judge, right? Right. I should have got a jury. <laughs> <laughs> didn't last a year. <laughs> That's wild. I remember that. I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> oh, the crazy lady from Sweden. Oh my God. Uh, you know it all ends well. You gotta you gotta look at life. And really count the blessings against. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I had this child with her. My boy's 15. Right. And it was a long haul. I, I, I won in terms of getting him 100%. So my whole life is him. And, uh, you know, I had to marry her to keep him. And it was worth it. And to go through the system, which is ugly. No you don't know your wife till you meet her in, in uh, court. Yeah, hello. <laughs> I've been there. Well, yeah, again, thank you. Love you. Thank you very much. All of you there in the room. All of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for coming on. And if you want to kill another hour down the down the journey somewhere, give me a call. We'll do it. Oh, please. Okay. Great. We definitely will. 
We will yeah, definitely just, take you up on that. We just no, call me. I, listen, you know, I think the socialization aspect with everything is, that's going on today, Johnny, is important. Oh yeah. You know, I got son here. I have like twelve kids over here every weekend. Even even us at our age and everyone, you got to socialize, talk because there's a lot of crap, depression, and stuff that goes on with being isolated. And this is a time when we need to communicate. You guys holler whenever you'd like to, okay? All right. I'll get you the new album when I'm done with it. Oh, please, please, thank you. Take care. Bye. Good kiss, huh? Bye. Thank you, Paul. Bye. Bye. Hi. Right. Well, it's time for the mailbag. All right, let's get to it. The first message we have is from John. John says, after Le- Lepke and Siegel were killed, were there any other Jews aside from Lansky that would be the equivalent to a made man, requiring permission from the bosses to be killed? If Lansky could never be a made man or head of a family because he was not Italian, did he answer to anyone? No, he was the head of the syndicate. He, are you <laughs> kidding? There's still very many, many, many Jewish men in power. I know, I know five myself, believe me. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Next is from Stephen. I've been a listener to the podcast since episode one and love how the show continues to evolve with different guests and episodic profiles of specific individuals. My question is following the assassination attempt on Frank Costello in 1957, what was his official role in the mafia? I've read he became a sort of executive while, while no longer being boss of the Luciano family. Did he pay tribute to other bosses or the commission? Did he ever speak to you about the assassination attempt? Well, the assassination attempt, nobody even spoke to him about. That was Chin Gigante getting his exercise. But I still question that because that's exactly when I entered his life. And uh, to get shot on an elevator and miss, and you have the gun in the guy's head, you got to be a bad shot or you really didn't want to kill him. But they were already moving on with the syndicate, and that's when Accardo and Meyer and them created the syndicate. He wanted out anyway. He didn't want to be a boss. He was a boss while Vito was away, but that's it. All right. Next is from Jack. Jack says, hello, everyone. Been a pleasure to listen to your podcast and audiobook. My question is for Gianni. My stepdad, who raised me since I was five, was a local Boston loan officer. He was loved by all. I remember he went to the Copa during the late 60s. He was immediately brought in, and a table was inserted for him and my mother right next to the stage. His nickname was Juggy. Do you know him? No, I don't. That used to go on maybe 10 times a day, or 10 times a night, rather. <laughs> Tables being brought in. All right. Well, next is from Mitchell. Mitchell says, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for continuing to do the podcast. For most podcasts, I find myself giving up on them after one or two episodes although the Hollywood Godfather podcast has had me hooked since the beginning. You have answered every single question that I have submitted, and for that I am grateful. My wife and I were hoping to travel to New York next month and visit some of the restaurants you talk about, like La Mela or Cafe Palermo, and we're disappointed we won't be able to because of travel restrictions. My question today is for Pat. In case I ever wanted to share a story about how a duffel bag of cash may or may not have gotten to be in my closet, could you share some general guidelines about statutes of limitations? Well, generally for crimes involving theft or cash, larceny, seven years. All and right. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be arrested during those seven years if there's an indictment. So what, what, uh, what the feds or, or state prosecutors usually do, if they don't have enough to arrest you, they will get a, a sealed indictment 
to keep the clock running. So my suggestion to him is to send me the money, <laughs> and I'll take care of it. Right. Logical. There you there go, Mitchell. You, <laughs> you always have a good. You always have a good out for these guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. All right. Next is from Karen. Karen says, I've just read that a movie is in the works regarding the making of The Godfather. I wonder if Gianni's story is going to be included, and if so, any ideas who will play him? Well, what's interesting, because I've been talking to the producers on that, and uh, they're only using footage of the true actors, so I'll be in it as my character. And Jake Gyllenhaal and the other guys are taking the positions behind the scenes. One's playing Bobby Evans, one's playing Francis Ford Coppola, and it's about making of The Godfather. And what I find more interesting, which Pat and I had a conversation this afternoon, because Vanity Fair got in touch with us. They wanted to interview us, because Vanity Fair is doing a big story on it that they're not including the mob. How could you not include the mob? It's crazy. It, you know, so... Mm. I think they're going to wind up changing their minds about that, you know? Well, I don't think so, because Al Ruddy and the producers are adamant about not bringing in the mob for some reason. For you and I, we're going to benefit like mad with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next 18 months, you get about it. This is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, excellent. All right. Well, next is from Michael. Michael says, Mr. Russo, I'm a huge fan of yours. Your stories and personality have inspired many characters in my scripts. I'm a young up-and-coming writer, and I appreciate all your stories and your book. I have some questions regarding Carlo, and I hope to hear from you. Just ask him here. Okay, perfect. Uh, uh, I have a question. I think we still I think we still have Paul's audio hooked up audio, here. Yeah. So try to earmark for Thursday. How's that? <laughs> anyway, That's interesting. Uh, I, I, I had a call from a fan about Gianni's can, can you disconnect him, Megan? Uh, I don't think I have the ability to do that. Okay, well. Anyways, I, a, a fan was asking me about Gianni's boxing career, and I said, what? I don't know anybody named Gianni Russo who was a boxer. Apparently, I was wrong. Tell yeah. us. It's funny that, uh, you know, that uh, the guy, he, uh, he talked to me about this today, and the guy has the card, the fight card, from when I fought in Sunnyside Gardens. I only fought for a year. Costello liked fighters, and he said, you know, I was built, and so I, right. I took a shot at it, and I won the, the PAL. And I, I'll get back Thanks. Okay. Maybe he'll sit down, and we'll tell him to stop. Maybe he'll I, come back and yeah, hang out. I, so with that said, hey, hey Paul? Hello? Yeah, can you disconnect yeah. your audio? Could you disconnect what? your audio? You know, I didn't do anything. I've just been enjoying watching you. Okay. <laughs> no, but we've been hearing your phone calls. <laughs> Am I still on? Yeah. Yeah, you're still on. Oh, so could you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. I'm, I'm, uh, who, do you want me to answer one of those letters? What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let him answer. There you go. Let's include it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if he has an answer to one of these. So All right, I was well, next. I was, I, my apologies. Yeah, I, I was, 
I was getting ready to get my girl to do it because I'm not a technical guy, you know. I'm the same way. I heard all of the answers and I said, wow, this is cool. So I was listening and Steve Wynn just called. That's why you heard me talk. Oh, I know. Why? I should have told me. I love that guy. He was a big help to me, man, in Vegas. On Thursday, so I've, I've just been listening, but I had—I don't know if you cut me off or what. I was just enjoying listening. No, but he's—he's he's in town. How's he feeling? How's he feeling? He feels great. He's sitting on two billion dollars. He's got a nice home in L.A., and uh, he's traveling. He's doing what he wants, and he got out of the casino business at the right time. Oh, and did he's he ever? Fine. I've known him for 50, 60 years. He's a very smart guy. Oh, no, I, he always was. But he was a big help to me early on in my life. Even when I built State Street. And he he, yeah. he really, when he was remodeling the Golden Nugget, he yeah. gave me a whole bar. I mean, you know, 12-stool bar, yeah. everything in there. He says, have a semi on the corner. And yeah. at 2 o'clock in the morning, I had guys down there. We just took it away. I mean, we'd get in trouble with it today because that's a public trading company, and I took yeah, the assets from it. But that was went, Steve Wynn. I went pub, public trading company. I went with him to China when he was going to build in Macau. And, uh, you know, he's a public company. So we're sitting there with Stanley Ho, who ran Macau. You know? I love I love Stan. I know his daughter. Hello. She lives well, in New York. The show, Patricia, yeah. So now we're talking about what he's going to build and do. And uh, Stanley says, and you know, Steve... Uh, we got to have a separate building for the girls. So Steve said, what girls? He says, well, the Chinese, they come down and the heavy hitters. And, uh, you know, until six o'clock, they want to be in the building and in the rooms with the girls, blah, blah, blah. Well, Steve says, <laughs> you know, Steve, he says, well, we're a public company. We want nothing to do with this. And I'm sitting there laughing. I'm going, build the building. So <laughs> we're sitting there. And Steve says, well, if you don't have the building for the girls, you can't have the casino. Well, fade out, fade in. They built the building because that whole area is all about you know the gambling. Oh yeah, and, forget about know. it. And, Steve, and, and, and Stanley controlled all those licenses. Well, of course, he was the guy. Yeah. When I first went there, Johnny, you know they were still throwing grenades in the lobby when the Portuguese owned it. Yeah. But uh, but Steve, when he did the Nugget, because I've known him from the beginning, um, Sinatra and I were the two acts that he booked in there. But you know he had that small little. Room, he couldn't oh, I pay know. us, so he gave us stock options. Right. And uh, we both believed in him because we knew how smart he was, but that's where it all started the Golden Nugget. Yeah. But you know how funny that is? Because one night Sinatra was in State Street, my place, yeah. and I used to get on stage and sing with my quartet all the time. And, yeah. Don, and Don Rickles comes in, he sits down with Frank, and he's telling Frank, Wow, I really like the way this kid sings. And he didn't realize how close Sinatra and I were together. And yeah. so I got off stage, and he said, Johnny, get me your phone. So we had these plug-in phones. As you know, you used to, used to go in the back dining room. You like that back room all the time. Yeah. I won't yeah. ask why, but I understand it. I built it. <laughs> so anyway, he, we plugs in a phone. We don't know who yeah. he's calling. Yeah. And he calls Steve Wynn. And he's telling whoever's on the other side. He said, I'm sitting here with Don Rickles, and he really likes Johnny Russo singing. I want you to have Johnny Russo as his opening act when he opens in the Nugget. And he must have said, well, okay, well, you know, that's, I didn't realize Don Rickles pays for his opening act. Yeah. So, so he says, give him 2000 Don almost fell off the chair because he was paying kids 500 
or, or maybe not. Maybe not. Or maybe, Tony, this is a great career break for you. Give me right. 500 because Don was exactly, great. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, I stayed with him for a year. Yeah. Traveled everywhere with him. In fact, we I closed with him at the, uh, which is funny because it becomes bookends. I'm at resorts opening yeah. for him. I go backstage and the security guard says, Don Rickles, I mean Don Rickles, uh, uh, Donald Trump and his wife want to come back and say hello to you. Yeah. I said, yeah, and Donald Duck wants to see you. Get out of here. Because yeah. I just did a half hour. The show's on. But that, I didn't realize they've seen him a hundred times. And she came back and she gives me Tom Cantone's card. Is this wow. bizarre? And she said, call him. He's our entertainment director. We want you to open up Trump Marina as the headliner. Wow. And my career, I mean, talking about bookends, here we wow. are talking, then Sinatra. Sinatra gets me the job. I'm still with Tom Cantone. <laughs> right. That's why, well, well, Trump, I met, you know, I worked for Donald for years, you know. But I first met him, I got a call from um, Cohen. The lawyer, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Roy Cohen. So he calls me up. He says, come to my town now. I want you to meet this kid. He wants to get in the gaming business. He wants to talk to you. I said, well, hey, I'm a singer. I'm around it. But I, no, no, come. So I, I go to Cohen's house. And in walks uh, Donald Trump. And we have a meeting. And wow. we talk. Right? And we take pictures and we talk. Fade out, fade in. A few years later, I'm working for the guy. I work for him. All the way through. And wow. then when he got in office, Johnny, I dug out the picture. I'll send it to you. I'll get a kick of it. And I sent him the picture of he and I and Cohen. I said, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, I'm, I'm so happy you stayed on because this is a great way to end our show. And yeah. with a great story, as usual. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, see, that, that's what's missing, I think, as you pointed out earlier. The, the impromptu that we all had early on as being performers, jumping on stages, being invited with people. I mean, going to the, the lounge at the Sands Hotel with Louis Prima all night long. It, it, that don't happen any longer. Johnny, it's substance. Listen, what are you going to Who are you going to join? First of all, it's got an instrument on the stage. Where are you going? Hey, motherfucker, tell your motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know any of those songs, do you? No. <laughs> a new ball game. I did they killed rock and roll. There's no rock. I mean, this is, I had a big record with Drake last year. I had the Michael Jackson song that I wrote, and I met him, and he's talented. And we created this song with Michael Jackson that I wrote with him. And I had this big rap record with Drake, and and I respect it, you know, because they believe in what they're doing. But you don't have the the rapport or the relationships like that we did back then. It doesn't exist. But that's okay. We live. For today and tomorrow. Oh, have fun. Yep. And where's Cantone, Johnny? Where is he? he? He's coming on 10 after 7. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, give him my love. I'm going to carry this phone upstairs and uh, put it right next to my closet because I'm going to get dressed, but I want to hear the rest of the show. All right. And I'm going to just listen to you guys go off the air until the game starts. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have, unfortunately. No, we're but going off the nice. air. I'm so glad you came back on. No, okay, we... big kiss. Bye, everybody. All right, thank you. Bye, thank Paul. You. Thank you. You better mute my sound. You never know what I might say up there. <laughs> you know how to do it, yeah. Right. Bye, Pat. Bye. 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 Bye.
Bye-bye, guys. All right. Well, that's a different show. I think this is one of one of our classics. And you know what, what, I, what I was thinking, Johnny, when you guys went back and forth, you guys are great storytellers. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. You know, we have I mean, such it, great history. It, it takes a certain you know. amount of talent to do what you do. It also takes a certain amount of talent to know how to tell a story. Right. And, uh, you guys were really good. Well, Okay, everybody, it's time to say goodnight, and we will see you next week again. Who knows what will happen next week? This, the show is starting to really get spontaneous, and we love you. We need your cards and letters. Keep supporting us as you have been. God bless you all. Till next week. Good night. Good night. Start spreading your legs, I mean news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, Giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. New York, New York. I want to wake up in that city that never sleeps. To find I'm a number one, top of the list, king of the hill, a number one. These little town blues are melting away. I'll make a brand new start of it. And all New York If I can Make it there I'll make it Anywhere It's up to you